then we're going to go to Acts chapter 3, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 17. Acts 2, 3, and 17. Amen. I will say that uh, as you're turning there, we do have a lot of stuff coming up in July. July is a busy month, and uh, I will say that it is all beginning with this weekend, the coming weekend on the 2nd. We are going to be going to the zoo. Those of you that want to go with us as the church family, um, let me know. We, we can. Uh, I need to figure out what time they open. What's that? First? We're not going on Sunday. We're going on Saturday, so it's the first. Yeah. The first Sunday, so it's the first this, this coming Saturday. And uh, we're going to go. We're going to have a great time. And uh, then we have the 4th of July. We're going to be meeting here at the church. And I'll give you more details about that. And then next Friday night, we're going to be at Blast in the Park. And... Uh, have a good time there as well. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through verse 39. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? <clears throat> we can all agree that the question is, what can we do to change what we just heard? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Everybody say repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? For the promises to you and to your children to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Acts chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 19. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. Repent ye therefore, and be converted. Everybody say repent. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Acts chapter 17. We're going to read verse 30 and 31. Acts 17, 30 and 31. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to, what's the word? Repent. Repent. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. But that man whom he has ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Amen. Peter says the first thing that you've got to do to change the, the, the bad things that you've done in life, you've got to repent. In Acts chapter 3, Peter's preaching again at the synagogue. And he is preaching and the first thing he says in this verse is repent. In Acts chapter 17, here we have another preacher preaching and he is saying here that God winked at our ignorance of sin at one point in time. But now he commands us, everybody say he commands us, to repent. Amen. Today we're going to talk on this subject just simply titled repentance. Just simply titled repentance. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, we love you. <clears throat>
God, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I'm asking that you would meet with us in a mighty way here today. God, as I prayed and sought your face this morning, I pray, God, that you would, God, let that same unction, that same anointing rest upon me this, this very moment, God. Anoint these lips of clay that I may say only what you once said. Anoint my mind, God, that, God, only the things that you have in store would be prompted. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears that we could hear your word. God, and not only hear it, but be receptive to it. God, that your word may find fertile soil in which it can grow. We thank you for it today. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Can we give him a hand clap of praise here this morning? Oh, I love you. I magnify you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Amen. We'll see how this ends up, I, I don't know if I'm going to just simply teach. We'll see where we end up this morning. Amen. Repentance is necessary. We cannot, we cannot even begin our relationship with God without repentance. Our life with God it should start with repentance but it should continue through repentance. Amen. We have been teaching about prayer the last couple of Sunday mornings in our Bible class. And let me tell you, I have another lesson that I'm going to be breaking out later, but um, this has just been eating me up this week um, that I wanted to talk to us about why do we need to repent? Why is repentance necessary? Amen. And I think many of us are probably going to say, well, Pastor, why are you preaching to the choir? Well, that's all right. If I am preaching to the choir, the choir needs preached to every once in a while. Amen. And so uh, we, we cannot leave the foundations on which we have been built. I'm not trying to always stay super uh, juvenile in my teaching, but I, I, I think we always need to understand this is the foundation. And we need to visit that foundation on a regular basis. Um, we are, amen, we are mandated by Scripture. Um, I, I believe it's Hebrews talks to us about, I got it later in my notes here this morning, but, but Hebrews talks to us about how that, that repentance is how that we approach God, amen, in, 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 in a way that nothing else can approach God. Number one, you got to understand you have to have faith. I'm not throwing faith away this morning. You've got to have faith. Everybody say, I have to have faith. Do you really believe you have to have faith? Can't please God without it. You can't. You can't. I got his attention this morning. Amen. Little Carlos is just staring at me, following me around. Amen. I've got to have faith. But faith is not where it stops. I've got to do something about what I believe in. And if I really believe that God is God and that he is holy, that should drive me to long to repent. Because I am not holy by nature. Can I get an amen? 
I am not holy by nature, but he is. So in order to become holy, I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to do that, I've got to first believe that he is, amen, but then I've got to act on what I know and what I believe. James said, you know, show me your faith without your works. He said, but I'm going to show you my faith through my works. I'm going to show you that I really believe that he is and that he loves me and that, that he, that he has, is able to forgive me because I'm going to act upon what I believe. And when I act upon what I believe, it's going to cause me to become remorseful for who I used to be and ask God to help me to change. Why do I need to change? Well, it's rather simple, and I simple, and I, I I want I want to answer that question this morning. The first reason why we need to change and why we need repentance is because we are all in sin. Well, Romans chapter three and verse twenty-three: For some of us have sinned. Just making sure you're awake this morning. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mm. Well, you say, I'm not a bad person, though. I'm glad you're not a bad person. But that doesn't change the fact that you're a sinner. Consider with me a mountainous region. Let's just say Colorado, it's closest, most of us know it, been there maybe once or twice. Now if I go into Colorado and I drive into Colorado Springs, I think what, we're about almost 2,000 feet, is that right? I don't remember. But even in just the city of Colorado Springs, you can drive about 30 minutes and then you can drive all the way to the top of Pikes Peak. I don't recommend doing it very quickly. Maybe stop every once in a while as you're going up, all right? You get very lightheaded once you get to the top. Me and the Mendezes and our boys, my girls were with the youth group, so we drove all the way to the top. I got to the top. There's no guardrails. And they're just straight down. And I'm, my head is just spinning because there's not much air up there. And I'm taking slow, methodical breaths, deep ones, and uh, trying not to hyperventilate because as I look out, I'm trying to look around and then the buses are coming from the top. And I have to be on the outside lane. When I was going down, it was much better because I could hug the wall. As close as I could. Um, I can promise you this. As I was going up, I was not in the outside lane. I was against the wall until I saw somebody else coming down the, down the hill. But my point is, I'm in Colorado. It's a single state. But there are different levels that I can find myself in that one state. You with me? We were all born in sin. Whether you're a good person or not, you were born in sin. 
that's where you originated in. That's why we need repentance in our life. Because that's our nature. The, 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 the psalmist wrote, in iniquity was I conceived. Before, before anything else in life, before I even took my first breath, when I became a part of my mother's womb, I was conceived in iniquity. I need repentance. Psalms 151 verse 5 is the scripture I'm referring to, but hold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in my in sin did my mother conceive me. Regardless of how great maybe I may be, maybe I've never lied. Maybe I've never, never even stretched the truth even a little bit. I'm still by nature a sinner. But God is holy. God is holy. Psalms 99 and verse 9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. For time's sake, I've got tons of scripture today I'm trying to get through. Amen. There are many other scriptures that talk about God's holiness. Amen. You can do this study for yourself. Amen. But because we are sinners and because God is holy, we must be cleansed before we can approach unto that holy God. The scriptures tell us over and over and over again it is a clear sound from the word of God. Luke chapter 13 and verse 2 through 5, you're going to find Jesus speaking. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were, more, they, they were sinners above all men than dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But except you repent, you shall, everybody say you shall, all likewise perish. There's something about that shall, amen. 1 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Acts 17 and 30, and the times of this ignorance, one of the scriptures we used as our text this morning, God winked at it, but now he commands all men Everywhere to repent. Amen. I want you to notice here in this passage of scripture that God winked past tense, but now present tense, God is speaking to us. Also pay attention to here, Jesus, uh, the, the scripture is teaching us here that it's not just a suggestion. But it is a commandment, not just to the people that were there when they were preaching that day, but to all men. And 
Those men that are everywhere around the world. Amen. In response to the question of what shall we do to be saved, Peter first, Peter's first command was to repent. We read that a few moments ago in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 38. Amen. Where it says, then Peter said unto them, repent. Amen. And another place in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, and one of those scriptures we read a while ago, here the apostle makes it clear that the only way to have our sins blotted out or removed completely is to repent. Amen. Acts 3 and 19, repent ye therefore, be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's necessary. Everybody say it's necessary. Amen. We've established that it's necessary this morning. Now I want to answer the question, what is repentance? I don't want to answer it just from my own standpoint, but I want you to see it in the word of God. What is repentance? Before I talk about what it is, I want to establish what it is not this morning. Amen. It is not believing on the Lord or accepting the Lord. It is not saying, I am sorry for my sins. Anybody wondering where I'm going now? Good. Thank you, Sister Winnie. I know, I know you're right here with me now. Amen. Amen. It's not just simply saying, I'm sorry for my sins. It's beyond, I talked a while, a while ago, it's beyond just believing on the Lord. That's where faith begins. It's beyond just accepting the Lord which I will dare say that the scripture is very more, very much more clear on him accepting us rather than us accepting him. I'll leave that can of worms open. Maybe one day we'll clean that mess up later. Amen. But to approve this statement this morning that I have made, I want us to go to Hebrews 12. I want us to look at verse 16 and 17. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. I know, I know I'm going a little bit slower than I normally do on Sundays, but I, I just want to break down the word of God. I want us to see these things for ourselves. It's been a long time since I've taught about repentance as, as a whole. I want us to see these things. Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 16 and 17 says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He sought it. Greeny, he, he sought for repentance. He sought for it. So if he was seeking after repentance and could not find it with tears, if he was seeking carefully, why could he find no place to say, I'm sorry? Obviously to me and to several others, it was more than just simply saying, I'm sorry. But it had to go deeper than a simple apology. God, I'm sorry. 
I, I, I wonder, I, we don't have Bible to say that he, that he said these exact words, but I wonder how many times, Sister Rini, that, that Esau told the Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry I turned my back on you. And he, he was bawling and he was crying. But yet he would not leave his old ways. You can say I'm sorry all that you want to, my friend. But until you're willing to walk away, you have not repented. Getting ahead of myself. But what repentance is, as we will discover through these scriptures, repentance is a process. It is not a simple statement that you can make. It is a process that you go through in your life. With each step predicated upon the one that you took before. Amen. I'm going to spend some time examining this process of what this takes, what, what takes place here. And I want you to ride with me just for a little while. And if I don't get past this portion, that's fine. This is where I want to be this morning. Amen. I want to talk about finding repentance and, and how we can make it a, applicable to our life. How many, how many of you want to be acceptable unto God? How many of you want to walk wholeheartedly with God day in and day out? Amen. I want to tell you, if you can get a hold of, a, of what I'm talking about this morning, God will be closer to you each and every single day. Amen. I can promise you, God cannot reject those of a repented heart. Amen. A broken and contrite spirit, O oh God, thou wilt not despise, the psalmist said. Amen. God sees sin as the cause of death. Before I go into this scripture in Ezekiel chapter 18, I, I want you to understand we have to understand and we have to perceive sin like God perceives sin. Let me ask you this question. How many of you guys like COVID? How many of you guys enjoyed being sick with COVID? You hated it, right? And you don't want to get it again, right? And so you're going to do what you can to make sure you don't get it again, right? Let me ask you this. How many of you, if one of your children, God forbid, were to come down, I don't know how many nights I've stayed up, God, please take whatever's on them and give it to me because I hate seeing my children suffer. I hate seeing them suffer. And I develop a hatred for sickness. I just hate it. But Brother Blue, what would happen if we got that kind of hatred for sin? And we realized that sin is worse than cancer. With the exception that sin, there is a remedy for sin. Well, there's a remedy for cancer too. He can heal. He can heal cancer. I've seen it too many times. God can heal cancer. Amen. But just like salvation is hinged upon him, we got to understand, I hate things that destroy lives. And God hates sin so much that he said, "You know what? I'm going to help you get over sin." 
And I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the price. We know this. We know and understand the whole the whole idea of Calvary. We understand the whole idea of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. I hope you understand that. I don't have time today to break all of that down. I'm just breaking down the death piece this morning. Amen. We've got to see sin like God sees it. For the wages of sin, Romans 6 and 23. I know I skipped a verse there, but Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is, is what? It's what? It's death. Death. You understand what you're talking about now. There is only one result in sin. That's death. You're going to experience death one way or another through a life of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin equals death. Repentance is a dying. Repentance is, it is, it is saying, all right, I'm done with my life. and I'm done with my, my, my will because my will hasn't gotten me anywhere. It's given me a lot of fits. Here I am getting ahead of myself still. But Ezekiel chapter 18, verse number 20. Ezekiel puts it pretty plain. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. There's no question. We have to see sin from his perspective. God hates sin like every parent hates diseases that get a hold of their children. We will do everything in our power to make sure that we protect them so that they don't become infected with these diseases and, and we've got to do the same thing with sin, my friends. We've got to protect not just our children, though. We've got to somehow put some kind of a hedge around us. How do we do that? It's by developing a strong relationship with our Savior through repentance and making sure that we have allowed His Spirit to wash us and to cleanse us. Amen. God hates sin. Sin is not just a harmless mistake that you make. Sin will destroy your life. Although it is a product of human nature, we cannot simply dismiss it and we cannot overlook sin. I, I, I got to be nice. I got to be good. But I want, you, I want you to consider with me. I see people posting on Facebook all the time. We need, still need preachers that will preach hell hot, sin is wrong. God is still holy and holiness still matters. You've seen those things. But when preachers start preaching that hell is hot and sin is, sin is wrong and, and sin will destroy and, and you need to be holy, what happens? Some of those same people that are posting it on Facebook rise up against what the preachers are saying and saying, man, you're trying to dictate my life. Why can, how, you don't have the authority to say that. You don't have the authority to tell me how to do this. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to dictate nobody's life. 
I'm doing just good enough to make sure that I'm going to make it to heaven. But, but God has called me to preach to you what the word of God says. You need to get a hold of that book. You need to dig in and find out what I'm telling you is true or, or whether it's false. You need to find out, hey, is sin really sin? Let me tell you, I don't care how much society focuses in on sin. I don't care how much they push upon us the homosexual agenda. Let me tell you something. It is still an abomination to the God that I serve. I refuse. I refuse to allow pride to take and consume my life. Help me, Jesus. Let me tell you something. The The last individual, the only angel that couldn't live right even when there wasn't a devil. <laughs> Satan himself. Why did he get cast out of heaven? I know I've been ranting and raving on this, but I want you to understand there is no mistake that they're pushing this agenda called pride. Amen. It's because that is the very core, the very being of Lucifer himself. Amen. He rose up in pride. That's what got him cast out of the heavens. He said, I will be like the most high. And God said, oh, you will, buddy. Let me tell you something. You're going you're gonna to go down where you belong. Amen. And, and guess what? <laughs> Brother Tuffy and I were, were having a Bible study on last Thursday night, and we were talking about, amen, have you ever read the passage of Scripture where Jesus, man, I'm, I'm so sidetracked right now. Amen. But you ever read the passage of Scripture in Genesis where, where, where God is pronouncing the curses upon the people? Eve and, and Adam and the serpent, right? When he's talking to the serpent, he said, hey, guess what? You're going to bruise. Her seed shall bruise your head. But you're going to bruise their heel. We ever thought about that? Think about it. Think in the correlation of where these two things live on somebody's body, Right? We're going to bruise, now we're the seed of Adam and Eve, all right? We are the children of flesh, and that's who God was talking about. Now, the serpent represents what? Evil, hell, Satan, right? Don't go quiet on me right now. But think about it. God said that her seed shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Think about it. If my heel's getting bruised, how many of you guys ever went walking on a, on a stony path and you get a stone bruise? It's no fun, right? But where is it? The bottom of your foot. It's super elementary, folks. It's on the bottom of your foot. Why? Because you stepped on a stone. Now you got a bruise on your heel. Now if his head is going to bruise my heel, it's really simple. That's because I'm stomping on his head. Where does he belong? Under our feet. He don't belong right here on my shoulder telling me the things I need to be doing. No. That's why Jesus, when when Peter started saying, hey, God, no, there's, there's no way that they're going to, I'm going to step up. I'm going to fight on your behalf. And when Jesus looked at him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
He said, hey, you don't have, this is what the plan is. This has to take place. You've got to understand, when I go up on the cross, yeah, he's going to bruise my heel, but there's going to come a day he's going to be woozy because I done, I done stepped on his head. I destroyed him. We have been victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That was just a prophecy of what was going to happen at Calvary. God hated sin then. God still hates sin today. And you should hate sin today. Look, I'm, oh, help me, Jesus. We may end up getting pulled off Facebook or put in Facebook jail or something, but I, I just want you to understand that we as a church, you as a Christian, you shouldn't get, you, oh, help me, God. You don't need to be involved in this inclusivity junk. You say, well, that's not Christ-like. Well, yes, it is Christ-like because it, God, Christ stood in the face of the Pharisees and he said, look, you're a serpent. You're a viper. You're a bunch of graves. Whited sepulchers. You're, you're full of dead men's bones on the inside. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't play with sin. Nor should his people play with sin. We need to stand on our own two feet and keep him under our feet. How do we do that? By going back and making sure I'm surrendered to him. I'm surrendered to him. You know, the only woke that I want to be is when Jesus awakens me and takes me to heaven. I don't want to miss that one. I'm sorry if I'm rubbing anybody wrong this morning. I just feel a little resistance going on. I just want you to understand, I'm not here to hate people. I'm here to help people. And if some of, the, some of those folks pushing these, this sinful agenda, if, if God gets a hold of their heart and they want to change, I'm going to help them. I'll be there. I'll pray with them. I'll baptize them in Jesus' name because that's what God put me here for and that's what God put you here for. We can hate the sin and love the people. But you got to you got to be you got to be careful, amen. You get too close to the people while they're uh, they're abundant in their sin, then you may get sucked into that junk. I'm not going to. I'm not going to one of their crusades to try to reach for them. Why? Because I can't control the atmosphere. I can easily get sucked in because I'm just as human as they are. Well. That's why it's important that when, when we're reaching out to somebody that's hungry and somebody that's lost, that, hey, I, I'm not sitting in a bar with somebody to talk to them and, and witness to them about Jesus. I'll go in that bar and I'll get them out and take them home. On the way home, I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. If I see them in the gutter, I'm not going to sit in the gutter and just wallow in their filth. No, I'm going to help them get cleaned up on the outside and I'm going to help them get cleaned up on the inside. You with me today? This is, we got to understand, we got to love people. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's what the scripture tells us, right? The first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, help me, Jesus. This is just point one. We've got to see sin from God's perspective. God hates sin. We've got to deal with sin just like any fatal disease, we got to stay away from it. We got to protect ourselves from it. 
We can't let it abide in our homes. This is why I don't, I don't have television in my home because I can't control what comes through that thing. Say, well, YouTube, you, you get the same stuff on YouTube, but let me tell you something. The difference between the two is I can control what comes through YouTube. Does that make sense? Now, if you just let it play by itself, you may end up seeing some stuff you don't want to see. You need to put some safeguards around what you're watching. I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm just saying, you, I, don't want to, I don't enjoy seeing people sin. In fact, Jesus said that if you are entertained by sin, then you're just as guilty as them. You might as well be there doing the stuff with them. We need to not love sin. We can love the sinner. We can love the individual doing the sin. But we, can, we don't have to dwell in the sin with them in order to win them. Oh, help me, God. Look, there is a church that is no longer there in, in Fort Worth, Texas. The pastor got up one day and he started t- teaching his people. And this is not preacher bashing time. I'm just letting you, I wanted you to see the progression of what happened. The pastor got up and said, hey, I want you, I don't want you to be surprised like if you see me out with somebody and, and I'm sipping on a, on a Bud Light or something. And I, when I first heard it, in fact, I, I know family members that were in that church. He said, it's okay, if we're going to win the loss, we got to go where they're at, and we got to kind of partake, and, and we got to be like them so that we can pull them out. The problem is, the church is no longer standing, Sister Winnie, because the entire church backslid. The doors were shut on that church because they went down that road. I don't have to become the sin to win the sinner. i got to see sin like they like God sees it. God is holy. And when God reaches out and he pulls somebody out, he's not affected. Well, he's not. He's holy. And he wants to help make you holy. He'll pull you out of the filth like we sang a while ago. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. Now, he's going to set me on the rock. Now, if I want to jump back in the miry clay... I have that will. Or I can stay on the solid ground and I can find out where does he lead me. Oh, that that's, looks like a slippery hole. And I may have to dodge some things for a little while because I've walked so far off into the oblivion. And I hope you guys are following me this morning. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be too elementary. Amen. This, this message has been eating me alive since last Monday. I... God has been working me over. And I said, all right, God, here's the thing. I, I, don't, I don't do a lot of, I think this is more of the hardest preaching that I've done since I've been here. But I, I'm not trying to make people upset. I'm trying to help you understand. God hates sin. And we need to hate sin like he hates sin. And we need to visualize these things in our minds and say, all right, God, if this is something you're not approving of, God, I'm going to put it aside because I need a hedge around me. I need protection. I mean, there, there are places that 
I mean, you can go and, and if there's some kind of contamination or contaminant that they think is there, if it's not ever shown up, if they can't find one trace of it, as they are going in to find out if it's there, they're going to suit up from head to toe. They're going to be completely sealed. In fact, they got these suits now that, that if as they're going into these areas, they put oxygen tanks on so they're not breathing the air of the area. You're with, you understand what I'm talking about. You've seen these things happen. But that's how we got to be when it comes down to, down to sin. If I've got to really go into an area and cleanse it and try to save some people in there, amen, if, if some twin towers have fallen, I need to get in there and try to help somebody out of the mess that they found themselves in because they were at the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever the situation may be. God, I need you to clothe me in heavenly protection, spiritual protection. And the only way I can do that is by putting away all of my filthy garments and allowing his spirit to come upon me and to clothe me in righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's number one. See sin from God's perspective. I'm going to try to hurry. I'm not going to be much longer. Amen. The first thing we got to see sin from God's perspective. Secondly, we've got to feel conviction. Conviction. As Peter preached the word of God to the crowd at Pentecost, they felt conviction. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, this conviction caused them to ask questions. Amen. Acts 2 and 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Amen. This evidently, this is evidently what Paul had been feeling even though he tried to fight against the, 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 the conviction, the, 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 the drawing of the Spirit of God. Amen. Go to Acts chapter number 9. I'm going to try to hurry, hurry, hurry through this. Amen. Acts chapter 9 verses 5 and 6. Amen. This is Paul, Paul before he was uh, he was actually Saul at this time. Amen. He was headed to Damascus. And as he's headed to Damascus, a bright light shines about him and he falls off of his horse and God blinds him. And God begins to speak to him from the light. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what you ought to do. Now, I always wondered what in the world were the pricks. Now, there are a few different explanations. The one that I, I, I think is a little bit more accurate is back in those days they had certain things that would keep the, the cattle to, or, the, or the mules or whatever to keep going forward and they had spikes on the back of them and if they started backing up, it would poke them and, and it would try to drive them forward and, uh, and, and my, my thoughts are around this, my thoughts, okay, my opinion, amen, is, is the fact that the, these, these pricks were God's way of saying, okay, here, Paul, come on, I'm trying to drive you in this direction. I need you. I need you for my kingdom. I need your help, amen, to win these people, amen, because we understand two-thirds of the New Testament came from the Apostle Paul, amen. God knew the impact that the Apostle Paul could have, but the Apostle Paul always had the ability to say, no, God, I'm not doing it. 
I'm still going to buck against you. I'm still going to rise up against you. Amen. But let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul said, no, I'm going into Damascus. I'm going to hear what the preacher has to say. Ananias shows up. He prayed for him. God removed the scales from his eyes. He could see again. He was baptized in the name of Jesus. And God began to work on the life of Paul from that day uh, on. Amen. And so I want you to notice, though, in these two passages of scriptures, Acts 2 and 37 and, and Acts 9 and 5 and 6, uh, in, chapter, in chapter 9 and verse 5, the apostle Paul asked the question, what must I do? In Acts chapter 2 and 37, what shall we do? The question is, what can I do? First off, I got to see sin from God's perspective. Secondly, I've got to feel a convicting uh, something in my heart that says, hey, something's not right with me. I've got to change my life. I know I hear what the preacher's saying, but I've got to change my ways. Amen. The next thing we've got to have in this process called repentance is to possess a godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. Amen. This is another passage that shows very clearly that just saying I'm sorry is, is not what repentance is. But you sorrow to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Amen. This sorrow that we're talking about this morning involves all, everybody say all, all of the heart. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12. Amen. I know I'm going fast, but I want to get down through this piece. Amen. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Therefore also now says the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Deuteronomy 4 and 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And then Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 29 and 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Amen. Not only does it involve all of my heart, but it involves brokenness and contrition. Amen. Usually with weeping. Amen. Psalms 34 and verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51 and 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Amen. And so we have to have conviction. We have to have, see sin as God sees it. We have to possess godly sorrow. Amen. And we have to make confession. Here's where the I'm sorry comes in. It's a part of it, but it's not all of it. We've got to, we've got to make confession to the Lord. Proverbs 28 and 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. My mind is running a mile, a mile a minute right now. Amen. Reading these verses of scripture. Amen. But I'm trying to get to a single spot. To, amen. But you've got to understand you can't cover your sin and get away with it, my friend. God knows. 
then if God knows, why do I have to say it? Because God waits for you to speak out and say, I need forgiveness. John, 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if your sin is only against God, you only confess to God. Sometimes you've sinned against more than God, and sometimes in order for you to make complete repentance, you're going to have to go find out those people that you wronged and say, hey, whether they say yes, you're forgiven or not, you still have to seek out forgiveness. It's called restitution. Don't have time to deal deep into that, but we've got to make confession to God. The next thing we're going to do is plead for mercy. Psalms 51 and 1, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy mercies, blot out my transgressions. And then Jesus is talking about prayer. And Luke chapter 18 and verse 13, and he says, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Say, Pastor, well, this sounds like it takes a lot of emotion. And yeah, it's exactly right. Repentance is an emotional state of being. It's an emotional state of being. This is good for us. We've got to become emotional, Grandma. We've got to become emotional. God's got to get a hold of our hearts. He's got to change us. We've got to let him change us. We've got to change our perspective. We've already talked about these things. Amen. We're pleading for mercy. God, have mercy on me. And we're asking for forgiveness. Hosea 14 and 2. Take with you words. Turn to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. In the Lord's prayer even, Jesus instructed us to ask for forgiveness in Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us. Determine, number seven, to turn from sin. This is, you've got to see sin like God sees it. You've got to let conviction come into your heart and let you realize, oh man, I, I'm guilty of some of this stuff. Then we've got to make confession. Then we've got to ask forgiveness, plead for mercy. Finally, we're asking God. We've asked him for forgiveness. I'm sorry. And we're determining now I'm turning from sin. I have two points. This is two last points here this morning. I'm finished. Reagan, you want to get ready to come. Ezekiel 18 and 31 says, Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? You've got to get away from it. Not only did Ezekiel talk about it, but Jesus commands us. In John chapter 8 and 11, she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. 
but, can I, but go and sin no more. No more. It's not coming back into my life. God delivered me of it. I'm not going back to it. Repentance is a type of death. Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We become dead to sin. Romans 6 tells us about this. Mark chapter 8 talks about it. We've got to die out to sin. We hate sin. We don't want sin in our life. Confession was not the only thing Scripture required for obtaining mercy. Amen. Proverbs 28 and verse 13, he said, he said this, He that covereth the sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and does what? Forsaketh means I'm turning my back on it. I'm not letting it abide in my life. You must confess and you must forsake. Matthew 1 and 21, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. He, it didn't say he was going to save his people in their sins, but from them. They don't have to be there anymore. They don't have to abide in them. Amen. And the last point that I want to make this morning, amen, is accept. Not only do we do all of these things, yes, we've turned our back on the things that we hate. We, we, we see it like God sees it. We've been convicted of these things. We've asked for forgiveness. We've done all these things. But I've seen too many times where they're like, man, I don't know if I deserve God's forgiveness. And I appreciate the humility that's there. But when God says, Sherry, that he's going to forgive me, God means he's going to forgive me. And so the last step in the process of repentance is I've got to accept God's forgiveness. He'll do it for me. He forgave me, Brother Jason. He forgave you. He loves me. And some people say, man, I've been too bad. I don't deserve his goodness and his forgiveness. Well, it's not about whether you deserve it or not, but he promised his forgiveness to you. If you just repent, he would give you forgiveness for all of the things that we've ever done. Psalm chapter 86 and 5, the Bible tells me, for the thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Hallelujah. He is ready to forgive. It is promised. We should believe it. Go ahead and play, Sister Reagan. 1 John 1 and 9, just a few scriptures here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Everybody say he's faithful to forgive us. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from where? From the presence of the Lord. Isaiah 1 and 18, the last scripture I have for today. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins may be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
Repentance is something that we don't just do one time. But repentance needs to be an everyday part of my life. I know I've been talking about prayer that needs to be there every day, consistently every day. But a part of that prayer, you need to have repentance in there. Jesus said, you need to pray. Forgive us this day. <laughs> he said, every day, I'm taking up my cross and I'm following him. But first, I've got to lay down my life. I've got to lay down my will so that he can have his way in my life. Can we stand this morning? I don't know about you. I know I've done a lot of teaching today. And I know most of what I have to say today has to be applied from a day-to-day -day perspective. But I wonder, is there anybody here today that wants to spend a little bit of time in repentance today? If you do, these altars are open. I encourage you, let's, let's find a place to pray. Let's let the Holy Ghost begin to work in our lives. I'm not 